bravery is better than safety or security. I want to show people, not tell people, but show people that you can be brave and that you can step out there and that that little God-sized kid, childlike faith dream you have is still somewhere with inside of you and you don't have to settle. And I don't care how long it takes because you're not working on your time, you're working on God's time because you're dealing with a God-sized dream that's on a whole different timeline than what you and your friends are on. So don't give up that childlike dream just because you don't see it when you think you should see it or when your neighbors or your friends around you got their level of success. Keep dreaming and don't ever give up on that. This podcast is brought to you by King's Council Coaching. The mission of the King's Council is to help you discover, develop, and deploy your God-given talents and abilities. In order to leave a legacy, you need to live your legacy of excellence through the five power pillars, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and financial. Now, our programs are specifically designed to give you the blueprint and strategies that you need to gain an edge in the most important areas of your life. If you're an entrepreneur ready to upgrade your finances and align yourself with other powerful kingdom-minded men and women, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com to start your legacy of excellence today. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Chosen Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Spittler, Director of Member Relationships here at the King's Council. And this week we have Jonathan Bozinski with us. Jonathan comes from a small town in Minnesota, but now is a Hollywood actor out there in California. So Jonathan, awesome to have you on the show with us this week, brother. Good to be here, man. I love that you're here. This is going to be a fun show. So, Jonathan, obviously you and I met through the King's Council. Why don't we start there? Why don't you tell us what initially drew you to the King's Council? I guess in short, I was looking for a band of brothers. And so I was looking for spiritual growth, but also just growth in every area of life. You could say I've done the whole like conference junkie and running around looking for people, which is a good thing. But uh, a lot of them fell short. I got on this Zoom Bible study that was happening every Monday morning. They were talking about on that Bible study one morning, actually about a year ago this month, about going and doing this thing called the CEO of your life event in Tampa, Florida, which is on the other side of the country from where I am. But in that Bible study, someone put in the comments while they were talking, they're like, hey, whoever DMs me on Instagram, I'll pay for your ticket for the event, the CEO of your life event. That guy was Zachary Jones, now like an awesome brother of mine. And yeah, so I was like, you know what? Nothing ever comes from just like sitting back and wondering, like take some action on this. So I messaged him on Instagram, found him, messaged him on Instagram. And I said, hey, I'm on that Bible study. Uh, Am I the first one to DM you? And he's like, yeah, sent me a ticket within like an hour. And I was like, shoot, I guess I'm going to Florida. So two weeks later, I was in Florida and just blown away at the tribe, just who was involved and what they were about and the life that they just lived, the fruit in their lives. It was amazing to see, and I haven't looked back since. Ah, I love it so much. And that's typically when I do a podcast, we get into it a little bit, but I feel like you just dropped a huge bomb right there. I mean, if somebody listening is sitting on something, I mean, you just said nothing good comes from just sitting on something. You have to actually 
take action. And I feel like it's those little decisions of, do I buy the plane ticket or not? Do I go to the event or not? And it's like, how much different would your life be if you wouldn't have just made that decision of, I'm going to get up off my butt, I'm actually going to fly to Florida, and I'm going to go meet these people, so many of which are now, like you said, dear friends and family members. 100%. This whole thing, as Riley Meek always says, action brings clarity. I never really was able to kind of comprehend that thought until I got in this tribe, but it all started with taking action and I got clarity real fast. (laughs) Absolutely, brother. I love it so much. So I've heard bits and pieces of your story and you have such an interesting story, but why don't you give us all just a a background of, I know you said you grew up in Minnesota. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your story, your backstory. Grew up Northern Minnesota, little homeschool boy. (laughs) I have eight siblings. Uh, amazing family. Like I could not speak highly enough of my family. I'm sure they're going to be listening to this later. Love my family. I get to go home a lot. Now that I live in California, I still get to go home quite a bit, see them and spend time with them. But it was just this idea. I've always had this nagging thought in the back of my head that there's more out there. Most people would call it paradise, living on a dirt road, private lake, amazing house, loving family. And it was paradise. But for me, something was missing. Something was calling me out to the deep, so to speak if we want to put it like that. I was also, though, there was this like two sides of me where I was like the chubby little kid that was homeschooled and I was horrible at sports. I had some amazing friends, but wasn't like the popular kid in town by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, I actually got to a point where I wanted to go learn woodworking, just wanted to go live in the woods because I was like, part of me, the be great was calling and this part of me of like, no, you're never going to get that. Just like go like shun away from society and just do your thing because you're you're better off that way. And so part of me wanted to just kind of like slip away into just surviving, so to speak. And then part of me was calling into the deep. And, and the more I was growing, the more I stepped out there. I should say this, the first time I was really kind of pulled out of my shell was a youth leader I had in high school. It wasn't until like junior year in high school, small little town church, you know, hometown church, but the youth leader was amazing and started seeing things in me that I thought might be there, but were so deep down. I didn't really realize them myself, but we would do like little short films. We would do uh, theater plays. We would do whatever it is playing around. And he continued to pull little seeds of greatness out of me and pull them out and put them in front of me. And I started to like see the things I was doing a little bit, just small little uh, Minnesota boy things, you know, but I started to see them. I'm like, there is something more to me than just kind of getting by in life and surviving and being this quiet little boy. Maybe, maybe I'm called to something a little bit more. And that's where it kind of all the idea started. And then action started following. And I got started getting really involved in like film. I was like, Hey, you know, short films, more interested in being in front of the camera for some reason, because the technical side, all in the creative space, but I'm not really good with the technical side of it. So I was like, just keep me in front of the camera (laughs) and I'll be good. These like film festivals I hear and different things going on. But I heard that there was this film festival going on in Texas. I was back in like 2013. And I was like, I need to go to this because there seems to be some like filmmakers that aren't in Hollywood. And I thought Hollywood was like another country. If you wanted to be an actor and be a good actor, you had to be born in Hollywood. And everybody that was born in Hollywood came up to be famous actors. And those were the guys that were good at acting. Everybody else was just like playing around. But then I heard of this festival and I was like, well, there's some successful people that are going to be at this festival. Like I recognize a couple of these guys. 
maybe I should uh, like go to Texas. I don't have to go to Hollywood, but I can go to Texas. So I went there and met a bunch of amazing people. And my life changed. And I came home and I said, I'm going to do film. Because I was like, hey, I don't have to go to Hollywood, but I can still do film. So I came home and I started making short films and got with a couple other like small production companies within like Iowa and Southern Minnesota, made a handful of films and this and that. And that's kind of where it kicked off. And then I moved to Hollywood. <laughs> How old were you then? Just some tracking when you moved to Hollywood? 2022. 20, well, actually, I moved to Chicago for about a half a year, six months. And then I went back to Minnesota about six months. And then I moved to L.A. That was crazy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a big step for a 22-year-old to move out to L.A., especially being a homeschooled Minnesotan boy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, because when I went out to Hollywood, I did a Joshua and Caleb move. I went out there with my best friend who could care less about acting, but we went on this crazy road trip. We did like 14 states in 14 days, but three of those days we stopped off in Hollywood and we're like, I audited like an acting class. I was, you know, running around seeing Hollywood Walk of Fame. I was like, this is amazing. Like I thought it was like a whole nother world, you know, just opening up. After those three days, I, I was like, I'll be back to conquer you. And that was in February 2015. And I came back in uh, October of 2015. Yeah, lived out of my car for six months. <laughs> wow, incredible. So you've been in Hollywood for about seven years, you had said. I think you'd said that you've been in 20 films so far. Talk to me about what your experience has been like being out there. Right off the bat, just to be real, because there has been a lot of amazing moments. But what it is, is it's lonely a lot of times. It's constantly dealing with lack of self-worth. It's constantly comparison yourself. It's constantly wondering if you're ever good enough because everybody you talk to, where you go get your coffee, where you go on a date, when you walk out on uh, Santa Monica Pier, every single person you talk to has the same idea as you. And most of the time they're on the same level as you. And we all have these big dreams, but we're all kind of on the bottom, <laughs> so to speak, it seems a lot of times fighting to get to the top, hoping our big break will come if we're just in proximity or at the right time, at the right place. So it's very overwhelming. It's very easy to just kind of like compare yourself and get cutthroat like a lot of people out here are and fight your way to the top, tooth and nail, whatever it takes. I fell into that for a little bit, but I realized that that's not the way that you're going to win. That's not the way you're going to <laughs> have a good life at all. If you spend your whole life comparing yourself to others and striving to get to the top, if that makes any sense, if you're always out there to be the first one to get the next one, it's a hard, hard, hard world if that's like your only focus. So it's been a, a long journey of fixing how that works in my mind. For me, it's actually looking to God to actually first fill me up before I can actually go out there and work hard and show what I have to offer. Yeah, that's so good. Well, I'm so glad that we're having this conversation at this point in your life, because a lot of times you see people get interviewed after they've had their big break. And I'm glad that we're kind of catching you in this raw moment where you're not a beginner, you've had a measure of success, but you also haven't fully realized that vision that you have for yourself. I'm just curious, when you envision yourself, I mean, are you picturing yourself like a Tom Cruise or not necessarily him, but kind of that level of like, everybody knows your name, you're the star actor in premiere films? I picture myself for sure on that level. I actually don't want to play those like Tom Cruise roles. I know you're just throwing out an idea, but the roles I'm good at 
or the sidekick roles to the hero where you can just make jokes the whole time and make fun of the hero while he has to carry the story the whole time. <laughs> but of course, you know, as a creative artist, I want to play the hero. I want to play the villain, but that little like sidekick to the hero, that's kind of my sweet spot. Got it. Okay. So how do you envision that kind of big break as it were coming? Does it happen just you get cast into a specific role and all of a sudden you get elevated to the top or is it kind of slowly building it? Because I truly don't know the process of kind of making it in Hollywood. So like, I do have an agent out here in LA. I have connections with casting directors and stuff like that. It's a matter of auditions, 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 hoping one of these you will actually get a yes on. Hundreds of no's, it's hundreds of you getting a script, learning it, memorizing it, doing something with the character, sending it in, and never hearing anything again. But any one of those could be your next break or whatever, so to speak. And some of those auditions are pretty big in the Hollywood world, you know, working on big network televisions or uh, working alongside A-list actors like Tom Cruise and this and that. Some of those auditions are, you just so desperately want it. You can't think that way because you're going to just go insane if you're just constantly like, if I don't get this one, I'm going to (laughs) die. If you keep doing that, you will die. Most people, they can only put up with it for a couple of years and then they're out of Hollywood, you know, because they do do that. But there's that, or you curate your own content. And in this day and age, a lot of people are creating their own content. And you can put it out there that way. I'm working on uh, some of my own content right now. We're going to be filming a film in uh, uh, April with filmmaker I got to know really well out here. Dude, that sounds brutal. That level of, okay, this moment right now could transform my life. I put in all this work, all this effort, all this preparation, and I never hear back from them. And recognizing that tension of, I want to be optimistic. I want to imagine this being the one that I get a yes on, but at the same time, kind of tempering yourself for no. I think one of the only things I could think that would be not necessarily worse, but as bad as that in terms of the amount of rejection you might get would be door knocking and (laughs) that type of sales, which I know that you do as well while you're earning your own way out there that you do some door knocking as well. So how do you deal with rejection? How do you not go into that with a defeatist mindset where you say, oh, it's probably going to be a no again, but at the same time, not get your hopes up so high that it's just a massive crash when somebody does reject you? To put it in terms that I've been learning this last year, working alongside Scott Thomas here in the King's Council, as he says, it's, it's not a rejection, it's a mismatch. I guess I never put it in those words until now, but most of the time, it's, they're not saying, no, it's not, I reject you, Jonathan. It's, hey, it's a mismatch. Uh, you were too tall. You were too short. Oh, uh, if you looked at who we cast as the other lead actor, you guys like look exactly the same, or you don't look anything the same, or yeah, it's just like a whole laundry list of things that's just nothing personal whatsoever and it all has to do with what does the story call for if the story doesn't call for what you're bringing to the table it's just a mismatch and the next one might be the one that you have a great match on so nothing personal i never take anything personal is the number one thing and then it's just about a matter of you building up those no's get in front of as many as people as you can get as many no's as fast as you can and the yeses will come i do some door knocking now I get a lot more no's a lot faster, but I get a lot more yeses faster because I'm out there just getting so many no's. I love that. That's a powerful perspective. It's not a rejection. It's a mismatch. 
if you're a listener on here and you're somebody that maybe has got caught up with some of the things that Jonathan has talked about, whether it's feeling lonely or constantly questioning your self-worth or comparing yourself to other people, I think that mentality can just free you of some of those things. Not necessarily saying that person's better than me, but that person might be better for this opportunity than me. Am I describing that correctly? Yeah. And you have to learn to just cheer those people on, especially when you're fighting for certain roles with other people and you're both getting called back and you're like, you're both fighting for the same role. And you know, it's only down to one of you. You got to cheer for that person when they get it over you, you know? I think that perspective alone would be totally out of place in a place like Hollywood where there is so much competition. And like you said, it is so cutthroat. Have you had any moments where you've been able to, whether it be congratulate someone or cheer somebody on where they've kind of been taken aback by that type of attitude? I want to say yes, but I'm trying to think of one that comes to mind. There is times in films where we're both auditioning for the same role. And I know it like it's other acting buddies. We're both out there to get it. He's my roommate in Hollywood now. We were both auditioning for a film and we were helping each other audition for the same part. We stepped outside of the room. We were working on our lines. We were helping each other work on our lines, knowing that one of us can get it if there was more than just us two getting it and actually someone else got it. But it's helping each other in the process of being our best. You know, I'll work on me for you if you work on you for me. And if we can help each other get better, then we can go in proud. I'd rather go in and give an excellent audition and be proud of that audition than to go get and come out and not get it than to just kind of phone it in, as they say out here, and just end up kind of getting it by a fluke or something like that, because that happens too. It's just, you look exactly the part, even though you're a horrible actor. <laughs> I'd rather go in and give it my best and help my buddy do his best and then leave the results up to the people making the decisions. Yes. Do you feel like there's quite a bit of level in terms of just skill? Like when you look at the A-list actors, do you look at them and say, wow, they are just on a different level in terms of their skill? Yes, no, for sure. Yes. You look at some and you're just like, wow, so inspiring to watch some of these actors out there do what they do. And they do it so effortlessly. And I know the people that look like they're doing it the most effortlessly probably put in the most work or I know put in the most work. And that's how they can do that. But then also, yes, so much out here is opportunity, right timing, and who you know. It's all about who you know. Even in my life, some of my biggest roles, it was all about who I know. And that's a cool God story story I can share. But a lot of times it's about who you know. Yeah, let's hear it. One of these films I did, Treasure Lies, back a couple of years ago, I was playing the sidekick to the hero. My best friend in the film, he was the star of the film. And I was there just cracking jokes at him the whole time. It was amazing, amazing, fun film. But the way I got that film, it was a director that I listened to at a festival three years ago, Brett Barville. Amazing guy. Amazing guy. Super awesome. Christian, just out there in Hollywood doing his thing. I listened to him speak and I was like, I want to be around this guy. And he had just came out with a movie. He was talking about a movie. He was gone. Saw the movie, I think, or most of it at the festival. So I was like, oh, I don't need to buy the DVD. But he had DVDs for sale. And I was like, I'm going to buy this DVD. Because I want to remember, like, I'm going to work with this guy someday. Like, I know I want to work with this guy someday. I'm going to hold this up, put it in front of me to just kind of be as a uh, statement that I'm believing God is, God's going to cross our path again. Three years later, I thought he, time passed, and I don't even know if I saw him in the last three years, maybe once. And just kind of time passed. There was this audition I heard of that was going on, but 
it was like in-person auditions in Oklahoma and I was in LA and I was like, I can't, like, I'm not flying out for a maybe just to Oklahoma. And so I uh, ignored the audition. A couple of days later, Brett Barvel calls me up. He's like, Hey, the Holy Spirit put your name on my heart today. As I was like, you know, I'm directing this new movie here. And I was like, what? No way. He's like, yeah, I have this character that, you know, in this film that I'm directing, I feel like you would be great for it. Would you mind auditioning for it? And I was like, what? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I didn't even know he knew who I was. I auditioned, get the side audition. Within 24 hours, the producer calls me up. It was like, I don't know why he called me up at like 6.30 in the morning. He calls me up at 6.30 in the morning. And he's like, hey, you got the part. Well, aren't you? Like, will you accept it? And I was like, absolutely. So ended up being one of the greatest on-set experiences today yet. But all because of who I knew, I think it even more so like God was working that out. And I kind of put that proclamation of faith out there and saying, hey, someday I want to work with this guy. And this is a statement of faith. God's seen that through, even though it was years down the road. Amazing. Amazing. So I had Wendy on the podcast, Wendy Pet, several weeks ago, and she talked about like, you have to know your why. If you're going to go after ambitious things, you have to know why you're going after those things. What's the why behind the dreams that you're pursuing? I'm a young guy, but I also know that it's so easy for people around my age and like younger, like in their 20s, 17s growing up, it's so easy for people to lose that wild at heart, young dreamer inside of them where they have this thing that when they were younger, you know, I'm going to be an astronaut, that whole, like, I'm going to be a firefighter. I'm going to be a movie star. I'm going to be a singer. And as you grow up, you find yourself 15 years later working at the grocery store with two jobs because you got three kids and you're trying to survive and this and that. And, and like, I'm not saying any of that's wrong one way or the other. What I'm saying is like, we so often lose like that wild at heart like dreamer inside of us a friend posted this the other day and i can't get it out of my mind but she was like it was some meme you know like when we were growing up we're like don't tell me what to do we're always going around the house don't tell me what to do and then when we become adults we're like please tell me what to do like we want to follow a pattern we want to follow something to see if we can get to success like our neighbor got or we'll have so much more security if we get to that next step and bravery is better than safety or security. I want to show people, not tell people, but show people that you can be brave and that you can step out there and that that little God-sized kid, childlike faith dream you have, it's still somewhere with inside of you and you don't have to settle. And I don't care how long it takes because you're not working on your time, you're working on God's time because you're dealing with a God-sized dream that's on a whole different timeline than what you and your friends are on. So don't give up that childlike dream just because you don't see it when you think you should see it or when your neighbors or your friends around you got their level of success. Keep dreaming and don't ever give up on that. Powerful. Bravery is better than safety. Now that word bravery implies some risk, mm -hmm. right? Because you could essentially take just whatever the most high paying sales job is and you get married, have kids, settle down, have a nice house, nice life. Basically, I mean, nothing's guaranteed, but you know, it's certainly not going to be as competitive as what you're going after right now. One question I wanted to ask you, maybe the best way for me to frame this is I remember when Tim Tebow was moving from football to baseball 
And people gave him a hard time because they said, you know, you have contracts on the table right now to be a tight end in football. So why don't you just take the guaranteed contract to be an NFL football player as opposed to moving to baseball? And he said, well, that's not my dream. Like my dream was to play quarterback in the NFL or play baseball. And so he basically pushed back and said, I'm going to take a shot at my dreams. And when he said that, I felt like there was some measure of him not necessarily knowing 100%, like, yeah, I'm going to be successful in baseball. But it was almost that sense of, hey, if there's even a chance that I could be successful in baseball, it's worth the risk for me to go after my dreams. But then at the same time, you hear other athletes like Cooper Cup, is it? Now, he said that he had a vision of him winning the Super Bowl and becoming the MVP. So he kind of framed that differently where he felt like 100% this is going to happen. So if I was going to ask you a percentage question of you feel like 100% I'm going to make it exactly how I envision it, or at least make it to that A-list, I should say, or you feel like, yeah, I'm just taking a shot and I don't know what my percentage is. Yeah, on a scale of zero to 100, what would you give yourself? 100%, because there's too many things in life that God has put in front of me to show me that I'm on the right path towards that. And when I dream those dreams, I am the most alive I've ever been. And even though most of them haven't come true or to the level that they are will come true, there's never been a day in my life where I doubted that I was on the wrong path. I prefer the challenges of life to the guaranteed existence. So I would much rather live a challenging life than just exist. And so I want to press into the challenge. Like I've lived out of my car. I've lived in a walk-in closet in Hollywood. I've lived in a garage for two years and I've helped a lot of friends move into Hollywood and help friends move out of Hollywood. I've helped friends find a little success or kind of help people move in a direction to success in Hollywood and completely seeing them like just take their whole life out. And I have not given up because there's something inside of me that says, if you hold on, if you press on like that, I think it's in Hebrews where if you press toward your mark, if you endure, you're going to be better at uh, scripture references than I am. If you endure, you will receive your reward in due time. I've never doubted it. If I ever doubted it, it's because I wasn't working towards it enough. And as soon as I start working towards it again, that dream becomes so alive and vivid. And most people, they will just kind of let it fade away and they lose track of it and they'll they'll move on to something else. And they're like, oh yeah, I had that dream once. That didn't work out for me. No, you stopped walking towards it. So it became dim. If you walk towards it and keep pressing towards your mark, it will become brighter and brighter. If I was a betting man, I would have guessed that you were going to say 100%. Just because of what I know of you, you are all in, man. Whatever the sacrifice, whatever the cost, you are all in on your dream. And I think to what you were just saying, that a lot of people, they keep making steps towards their dream, but then they start to realize, ooh, this is pretty costly. And they get to a point where they just say, I'm not willing to give up. What if it's five more years of your life? What if it's 10 more years of your life? A lot of people are in that place where they say, I'm not willing to give that up. But what I hear you say it is, I'm all in and I'm not changing directions. For sure. That's right. There's no turning back. No turning back. Come too far. But I think that what makes you different is that your confidence 
if I'm hearing you rightly, is rooted in you feel like this is a vision that God has given to you. So it's more that faith in who God is rather than just your own abilities or anything like that. You feel a clear calling from God to do what you're doing. A hundred percent. Yeah. If we could get like a little spiritual or put that God aspect on it, which is everything to me in Hollywood. I had to go through a season where it was my dreams, my timing, and I'm believing for that. I've had my car repoed. <laughs> uh, just some of it was stupid. Some of it was just like me struggling out here in Hollywood. But you know, it's those like challenges where you wake up on a Monday morning and your car's being towed away, and they're like going out the driveway, and I'm like, hey, wait. They're like, grab anything you need because this car is out of here. Here's the number if you want it. Go find your car. I was like, shoot. And so waking up on those Monday mornings, like you can't pay rent and. You're like, I'm living in a garage and I still can't pay rent. I could go live in Minnesota on a lake and have an amazing life, whatever, and have four-day weekends with a job I was offered in Minnesota, working for the state of Minnesota. I was like, the weekends could be living on a pontoon. I'm like, what am I doing? But it's this idea of pressing into what God has for me and then realizing that nothing will ever be enough until God is enough. Like That hit me so hard when I realized that, hey, if God isn't enough, in my life, the four-day weekends in the pontoon won't be enough. The mega success working alongside Tom Cruise and this and that won't be enough. Nothing in life will ever be enough unless God is enough in my life. And once I had figured that out, it was like, all right, God, let's get on track with who you are and who you want me to be. And then I'm going to press into that with everything I got. And I'm not going to stop until I see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wow. Well, I hope our listeners just caught what you said, because that is the exact opposite of how most people are pursuing their goals and dreams. They think, once I get that big opportunity, once I land that job, or once I get that relationship, or once I get that bigger house, better car, whatever it is, then I'll be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And what I hear you saying is that, no, I'm actually starting from a place of fulfillment. Like I actually find my full satisfaction in God, who he is, but it's from that place of fulfillment that I have the confidence to reach, to step into everything that he's called me to be. I love it, man. I'm getting fired up just talking to you about these things. Oh, look, come on, man. It's so good. It makes me think of my friend, my best friend growing up. We were just inseparable. And we were growing up in central Wisconsin, you know, tiny little town, whatever. And we were both Packer fans. He says, you know, I want to play in the NFL. I want to play for the Green Bay Packers. And I think it's something like, I don't know, it's like less than 1% of high school athletes go on to play professional sports. And so you have all these people that kind of care for him around him saying like, at some point you should probably get serious and not throw your life away and get just a reasonable job. But he freaking did it. He went on to play for the Badgers. He set the record for most receptions ever. And he got drafted by the Packers. First time in, I think it was like 10 or 15 years, the Packers had drafted a Badger. And he went, he played for the Packers. Wow. And it's like one of those things where you can look at somebody's life and say, well, only like less than 1% of people do it. And I'm sure for acting, I could look at you and say, well, only less than 1% of people will actually ever make it. Mm-hmm. But some people do make it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, what separates those people from all those other people? It's not just luck of the draw. And I think as I'm listening to you, your commitment, your complete devotion to it sets you apart and puts you in a whole different 
statistical category than the big hordes of people that are like, oh, I'm going to try this for a few years, but if it doesn't work out, I have a backup plan. Yeah. Like you've burned your bridges, man. You are going for it all in. Exactly. There is no plan B because if you have a plan B, you might as well make a plan A. Right. There is like this constant pursuit of what is possible. And if you settle, you never rise to your wishes. You always settle to your standards. So like, where are your standards? when you're dreaming? Where are your standards when you're planning your life five years down the road? Where are your standards for when you are saying, hey, if I give up a little bit of this today so that I can keep that full standard of my dream there tomorrow, like I'm going to do that. And it's getting to that place in your head where and in your heart where you can kind of actually make that a reality for you, where you can give up this today so you can see that tomorrow. It's been a constant years of me learning that to be content with what God has me in today, living in a garage, living in a car, you know, knocking doors for a living, and also never being satisfied because I know I have a standard for my life and for the level of what God has called me to down the road. And if I belittle that, if I go from, I want to be an astronaut to working at a local space store or whatever, <laughs> I don't know. But if I compromise on my dream, it's not because God just like, oh, five years later says, no, let's downsize that dream. It's because you said, let's downsize that dream. And God says, no, I have so much more, but your standard was only here. And God's standard was always up here. Your standard just shifted, not God's standard for your life. Yes, yes, absolutely, yes. I think it's really important for our listeners to understand where you're coming from as a starting point is that you feel God has called you into this. And so to me, that's a big difference from somebody that just says, well, I want to marry Beyonce or I want to be an NFL quarterback or whatever it is. You can't just start from a place of just desire. I feel like the God element is the biggest element that God actually has to call you into something. But once God has called you into something, then that's where you have that relentless ability to not let go of it. Because it's not just your dream. It's a dream that God's actually given you, which is a big difference from somebody that just has their own dream. So if you're a listener out there, again, I hope that you are hearing these words that Jonathan is saying, that if God has called you to something and you've gotten lost in the weeds of making your monthly bills or whatever it is, and you feel like you're just trying to keep your head above water, what would you say to that person where they feel like, I feel stuck? Like, yeah, I do have these dreams. I do actually know what God's called me to, but rent's due next week. And I do have three kids. And I feel like I am just fighting to survive. The fastest way to lose your health is to lose your vision. If once you start losing that God-sized dream, once you start losing that little childlike faith, that little, yeah, I can do that. You know, that little childlike confidence, you're going to start seeing things in your life that are subpar, that are kind of, kind of is lethal. Some poet or speaker out there, he talks about this, so it's not mine, but he talks about kind of is lethal. If you kind of put in the work, if you kind of dream big, if you kind of think you can do that, then you're going to kind of get that. You're going to kind of become that person. You're going to kind of reach that dream. You got to commit to a level of excellence that says, I won't stop wrestling for this until you bless me. I won't stop seeking this. I won't stop knocking on this door until I see it because the vision is so clear. It's already happened. For me, um, a vision of walking my grandma down the red carpet for my big movie premiere and picking her up in a limo, it's already done. I've lived it a thousand times. 
my grandma, she helped me when I was living on my car. And this is not a little bit. She reminds me of this sometimes. I told her grandma, I said, someday I'm going to be on a big movie premiere for my movie. And we're going to walk down the red carpet, but I'm going to come pick you up in a black limousine. And we're going to walk down the red carpet together. And it's so vivid in my mind. That's the goal. It's not like, well, maybe I can go back to my home church and play a short film that I did. And I can have my grandma help me or whatever pass out cookies after <laughs> like that's cool that's cool <laughs> but that's yeah. not my dream that's not the dream god gave me so i know that where i'm going i have such a clear vision for what god has called me to i say that with all my heart like what god has called me to it's not some kind of like my dream but then putting god's name on it i've done that a lot and that's a whole nother podcast where i put my dream and god's name on my dream uh that that just never works but it's literally god's vision for my life and it's so much bigger than what I could do alone, so much bigger than what I could do with a ton of people that I know that God's got me on that right track. And that's actually a scripture, you know, where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. When people don't actually have vision for something, they go astray, essentially, is what that scripture is saying. So you were just speaking to somebody out there who maybe has lost sight of what God has actually called them to. Talking about vision, never losing vision, and you do get what you constantly are seeking, what you constantly look after. I've always wanted these like old vintage Volkswagen bands, you know, the white on top, red on the bottom. I knew exactly what I wanted. It was my saved on my computer screen. <laughs> I wanted one of these because I was living in my car. And I was like, geez, I could just live in a van in LA and then like life would be awesome, you know, living in a van down by the river. I went home after living in my car for six months. I went back home to Minnesota and I worked for the state of Minnesota, MnDOT. I would help fix roads all summer for the Minnesota highways. And I was a lot of times a flagger. It was like a summer temp job. I'm going to go back to LA and I can't afford rent, but I could go buy a van down by the river <laughs> and live in a van down by the ocean. So all summer long, we would have these radios and everybody at Mindy called me Hollywood. They knew I came from Hollywood. They knew I was going back to Hollywood. They're all like, Hey, Hollywood. And I had these radios and I'm always like, I told everybody in my shop what kind of van I was looking for. Like, I'm going to get this van. I'm I want this van. Long story short, you know, most people over the radio, they would be driving these trucks with like loads to fix the roads. They'd be like, hey, Hollywood, here comes your van. Or uh, I would be uh, flagging. So you have to call the last car. You'd send like 10 through and then, hey, you know, last car, silver, Chevy Silverado or whatever. And sometimes they'd be like, hey, Hollywood, third car, that's your, here comes your van. You know, if they were sending cars over and all summer long over the, the truck radios, hey, Hollywood your van's coming down highway one. And I spoke, so that, that's cool. Cause I spoke my vision and people were like looking for vans for me. And I was lit. And the more they spoke my vision back to me, it became more alive inside of me. So just on like a small level, those are like two cool steps. But then part of that was my dream and not God's dream for my life. But it was so cool because I went back to Hollywood. I ended up not getting a van. I looked at a couple, just couldn't find the one I wanted. It wasn't meant to be. It wasn't God's timing. But I went back to Hollywood and I started uh, doing a, a little like YouTube show called The Tattooed Heart Show. And the whole like theme and art of it was driving around in a van and finding people that had purpose in life in Hollywood were marked with what God gave them. And they were trying to share that with the world. So I drove around. My whole dream was drive around in a Volkswagen van and go find these people that are marked with God's purpose on their life and are actually walking it out. And I found a whole fleet of vans that gave me vans for free. Like 
in Huntington Beach, this guy rented out these Volkswagen vans. And he's like, as long as you give me a little plug on the show, you can have any van you want. And uh, I've always wanted the white on top, red on the bottom, old Volkswagen van. Saw that. I was like, I'll take that one. So I'm driving around the back streets of Huntington Beach one day, a couple months later, and I turn around the corner and I kid you not, I'm the first one at some road construction and a flagger stops me and I'm sitting in my old Volkswagen van and I get chills because I realized only a couple months before I was the flagger in Minnesota calling out, hey, here comes my van. And I'm actually a couple months later sitting in the exact van, same color in Huntington Beach being stopped by a flagger totally reversed so if you speak out what god has over your life like that does come true keep pressing into it because god has some amazing things for you and keep stepping into that amazing absolutely incredible i feel like even those i don't want to call it a small win but those types of things can be a testimony something that we can look back on and say man god did that in my life now i can believe him for some of these bigger things that i'm reaching to god for for sure well jonathan i'm sure you have a mixture of people around you where Maybe some people believe in you. Maybe some people doubt you. Maybe some people don't know what to think. But (laughs) I've certainly appreciated this conversation. I want to be one of those people that stands with you in that dream. Because a lot of times you see people on the early end and everybody's doubting them. And then once they make that big, you know, they get the A-list role, then everybody wants to be around them and say, oh, man, I always knew you were going to make it. (laughs) No, you didn't. (laughs) You actually didn't even support me. Right. But man, I believe in you. I believe in what God God's doing in your life. I love the value that we've been able to draw from your story here. We are going to bring it to a close. Any last thoughts before we wrap this up? Uh, No, man, it's been so good chatting with you. I appreciate you bringing me on here. This is an honor. You know, everybody listen out there, go dream big. If you want to talk more, talk about dreams, talk about chasing that God-sized dream in your life, you know, you can DM me on uh, Instagram. Best place to find me there. Just Jonathan Bozinski. Easy handle at Jonathan Bozinski. Love to uh, chat with you over there. You have to spell it out for our listeners. If they're looking you up right now, Jonathan Bazinski, how do you spell that? At J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N and then B-O-C-I-N-S-K-Y. Love it. Well, Jonathan, it's been an honor and privilege to have you on the show, brother. Appreciate it, man. It's been awesome. And to our listeners, thank you for being here. Again, this has been another episode of The Chosen Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Spittler, and we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Chosen Podcast, powered by The King's Council. If you loved what you heard, give us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You can also watch this podcast and much more on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash King's Council Coaching.